ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Dallas, Texas, it's the Yankee Cowboy Podcast with your host, Tim Wilkins, where he talks all things pro wrestling and sports. Let's go. Let's go. gentlemen welcome to another episode of the yankee cowboy podcast today we're going to be reviewing us one of the greatest pay-per-views of the weekend i say that of meaning that there is more than one because if you weren't burnt out by the amount of professional wrestling over the weekend then you my friend were either watching college football ufc nascar or just drinking beer and barbecuing either way it was an eventful and monumental weekend. And that being said, I, I just can't say it enough. Hope everyone had a unlabor day. And let's have some fun and let's talk about and react and review Clash of the Castle in Cardiff, Wales. The first premium live event of the Papa Triple H creative era. And without a further ado, Let's go. Which, by the way, before I actually continue, hold on, hold on. Before I actually continue on this podcast, in this episode, I just want to say, if you were awake around noontime Central Time Saturday, and you had something planned around, I don't know, let's say four or five, you still had plenty of time to watch this pay-per-view. It was that reasonably spread out with the period of time respecting everybody's personal time. Ladies and gentlemen, it was started at 12 p.m. Central Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and was over by around 3.30. Three hours. Okay? The main event went on at 2.45. That's including commercials, hype videos, etc. So, that being said... Let's get right down into the action. Cardiff, Wales, 69,000 sold out the stadium. Great setup, by the way, by the WWE production team. Ring ring stage wasn't as long as you would expect being a stadium. So that was a great appeasing situation. And uh, I, I have to give compliments to the European fan base that were there live in Cardiff. And I mean that sincerely. That was a phenomenal show from start to finish by the fans. Uh, and I mean, what I mean by that is from start to finish, the fans were actively involved with every piece of this show from start to finish. There was one match out of six matches that are on this card that you can tell that the fans actively were like, eh, I got to go to the bathroom or get a beer, right? There's always at least one of those on every single card of wrestling that you ever go to. Usually it's during the women's matches or the underneath card matches that no one wants to see. This was no exception. So we open up the card with the six women tag match with Bailey, EO Sky, Dakota Kai versus Bianca Belair. Alexa Bliss and Asuka. 
I will say the reason why I brought the point of thanking the European fans was that the crowd was hot from the start. They were chanting at Bailey. They sang to her. Hey, Bailey, we all want to know. Do you want to be our girl? Like They were chanting and singing to Bailey, and she was working heel. So she had to tag out. When you know she can't react to these things, because then you move the, remove the psychology of the match, and the girls that are baby faced are sitting there dancing to the crowd chain. So you knew the girls were having a good time. Great opening contest. Uh, went about I say about 10, 12 minutes maybe, give or take. Uh, matches the, the spots were pretty decent. Uh, they called themselves Damage Control. Uh, the the Bailey group. Uh, but I, I think. There was a few uh, spots in that match that Dakota Kai, I think, botched. Uh, you can hear Bailey being kind of more vocal on telling her what to do. Uh, there was a little bit of a collaboration spot with the babyface group, with the camera guy, uh, when they did a, 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 I'm not saying a dive off the, the apron, but there was a spot there early on in the match that looked like the camera guy had to get told to get the heck out the way. Um Bianca Belair really didn't work much into this match early on or even through the midway part. Obviously, when it got to the hot tag portion, I call it the hot tag portion of a tag match. When it kind of, you know, you get enough heat, you kind of have to fire up the crowd and kind of get to the point where you got to go. And uh, that definitely happened. Uh, Bailey obviously working heel. I think she likes working heel a lot better. Uh, it takes a little bit of something out of her uh, comfort zone. And you saw that uh, with the finish. Obviously, they're going to be setting up the Bailey versus Bianca Belair storyline here. And the reason why I say that is the heel heat that Bailey put on Belair, and also the way the match finished with who took the pinfall. Belair took the pinfall clean in the ring. That tells me long term, Triple H, Papa Trips, had some serious plans up his sleeve. Okay. That being said, I grade that match an A minus. Very strong opening contest with really strong fan participation. Which them damn Europeans love having a good time. Okay, they just do. And I, I wasn't sure if they thought they were at a soccer match. It was kind of late in the evening. Maybe they've been drinking all day. Who knows? But it came across very, very fun and lively in the crowd. And that's what I, as a fan, like to see. And, and it's a casual, loving wrestling fandom that I have. I like to see other fans have a good time. Especially live, because you're spending your hard-earned money on this event. No questions about it. It's a pay-per-view. You know the ticket prices are kind of pricey. It's in a stadium, so you definitely know you're paying some money. At least have some fun, Right? That being said, with having fun, the next match on this card is bar none the greatest professional wrestling match I've seen in quite some time. If you take this match from start to finish and show it to any non-wrestling fan, you just turn them into a fan. The match I'm talking about next, ladies and gentlemen, is Sheamus 
versus Gunther going for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, a little bit of a rewind here. The introduction in the pre-match segments or is probably the coolest thing I've seen in quite some time in professional wrestling. Okay? The cool thing I'll talk about in one second. But you see Imperium come back. And Giovanni Vinci uh, coming back and, and reforming Imperium. Uh, which, which Seamus came out with, with Butch and Ridge Holland. You know, that, that segment of the introduction. Which, by the way, I have to give credit before we continue with this. I do have to compliment Michael Cole with some of the information that he did a great job on commentary. Obviously, people have their opinions about Michael Cole and, and to each their own. But Michael Cole added snippets of information that many of the casual fans may not have known. Okay, and those those things that he added added to the, the to fan experience. That is why Michael Cole is the man where he is today, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not regret that. Listen, there is a good man by the name of Jim Ross. There is a good guy named Jerry the King Lawler that were on commentary for a long time. Obviously, Michael Cole learned underneath that learning tree. Color commentary counts and telling a story of the competitors. Let me reiterate that again going into this match with Sheamus and Gunther. Sheamus' storyline and color was talking about becoming a Grand Slam champion. This match from beginning to end was probably the most physical, strong style, if you want to call it that, for you indie fans out there. Match that I've seen WWE allow their guys to work in quite some time. That being said, the beginning of that match, of this match in particularly, was freaking amazing. Okay? They had the two guys of each person. Sheamus had Ridge and Butch and Giovanni Vinci, Giovanni Vinci and, and Ludwig were behind Gunther. Literally, they're fighting each other around the two guys that are working this match, and those two guys are literally standing there looking dead at each other. They did this crap on SmackDown going into the main on the 26th, and it worked. It got my attention. Obviously, some of the guys, as they call it, fighting off. Sure. And, and it worked out, right? And either way, it's probably one of the coolest things you'll see in quite some time. And and really, it was a good match. It was stiff. Sheamus took a hell of a lot of chops. That's for damn sure. Uh, his chest was bright-ass red. Also, the psychology of the match went over. Uh, I'm not sure the exact name of the move where Sheamus hits you in the chest about ten times. That move was like teased like three or four times. And then when he finally landed it, it worked. It sold. It went over. Uh, they they continually built momentum throughout the match. They sold 
the strikes. They sold the moves. And a lot of near falls, a lot of false finishes. There's about two of those, three of those towards the end of the match that really put the match over. And then Gunther came back with a brutal clothesline. They called it a lariat. It's a clothesline. And, and he came back and won. Uh, really, I personally believe that this match is match of the year. Not because it was over in Europe, not because of of why it's the storytelling of these two men. The storytelling with their bodies of these two men in the ring for almost 30, I think 35 minutes is where they went uh, from start to scratch. And they told the story and gave legitimacy to a title, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that has been kind of lacking for the last few years. And by elevating that title and also elevating those two participants, it was a phenomenal A-plus match. I give it match of the year. Like I said earlier, if you show this match to any maybe I'm the fence fan that you might know or anyone else you would you would basically recruit them to becoming a professional wrestling fan yet again listen people will sit there and criticize me for saying it but WWE is still professional wrestling yes is there more entertainment value involved yes but let me tell you something what Papa Trips is doing right now with these young men and women is really changing the game. No pun intended. Triple H understands. Like what I heard, and before I continue on to the rest of this card, needless to say, we need to talk about an interview that Ariel Hawani and Triple H had on B2 Sports. And it was about an hour and 15 minutes long. And I... I was actually at a point where, uh, you know, how many canned answers am I going to listen to? You know, how many, you know, what's good for business reactions am I going to hear, right? But Triple H, in my personal view now, is being a head of creative for the largest wrestling company in the world. Has done more interviews than the man that led the company for 50 plus years. Does that tell you something? the modern era ladies and gentlemen triple h was very foretelling about what his future goals are with nxt as well when he's promoting the nxt promotion and talking about that being you know taking a step back from nxt uk and putting that under one umbrella but possibly expanding into nxt south africa nxt asia nxt south america and kind of doing what the NWA did with the Crockett Cup. It sounds familiar. It really does. And you have to give credit where credit's due. The man has plans. They're all going to lay themselves out on the table. You have to give respect where respect's due. So that being said, let's go back into the pay-per-view a little bit. And I think it's important to talk about is that this next match is when all the men and women that were in the stadium pretty much sat on their hands and didn't do a damn thing. 
either they went to the bathroom, they didn't care, whatever the case may be, this is when it happened. It was Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler. Um, with all due respect to women's wrestling, that, that needs to be said. This match was very clunky. And by clunky, I mean there wasn't very much of transition spots. Okay, they were working an arm. That's They were, they were working Liv Morgan's arm. Um, but the moves from one move to another were very, very... How do you get there? You know? And, and that being said, it I'm glad it was kind of short in a sense. But really wasn't really wasn't doing its its work in my opinion uh it was clunky like i said um obviously it's an old school psychology where you work a person's arm a leg a knee a foot i understood that but Liv morgan has come a long way in the ring but she's not quite there yet and a lot of fans online were looking for Triple H to pull the title off of her. But at this point, I didn't see that to be the case needed to happen here. I think there's some more development needs to happen. you got to give her some time to grow into her own. It, it, that's the only way you do it and is give her time. You, you can't expect perfection within six weeks. Was it a little too early to give her the championship? Maybe. But only time will tell. Believe me, Triple H will know when to turn the title back on to offer her. And that's when Queen Charlotte Flair shows back up. Charlotte Flair, I've actually watched her on uh, smoking or broken skull sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And you hear her now talk about psychology and moveset and why she sells. And she's definitely becoming a flair. And it's nice to see. It's great to hear. Uh, congratulations, by the way, for her and Mr. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Idolo <laughs> or Andrade, <laughs> as I should call her probably, um, or I should I call her Mrs. Flair still? I'm confused with that. But either way, uh, congratulations to those two for being married uh, over the summer as well. But the next match on the card, let's get to the fun of it, uh, is the cool Mysterio and Edge versus the Judgment Day. And I just have to sell all of you on this, Parson, that the entrance music, it makes me laugh, is of the Judgment Day, is a, you know, Alter Bridge song. Which, by the way, if anyone doesn't know this, but Alter Bridge is obviously the theme song band of Edge, Metal Lingus. Okay? It's sung by Alter Bridge. When Edge came out for this tag match, I'm pretty sure if the roof wasn't getting blown off the place, it was damn near close. Because that pop was loud. I mean, loud by the Europeans. And that kind of got me going, okay, <laughs> they're back awake now. And so this match uh, with Judgment Day, Finn Balor, uh, Dominic Priest, uh, not Dominic Priest, uh, Damian Priest, excuse me. You could definitely see elements of why Finn Balor is really good in the ring and why you see Damian Priest be a certain style that works for people working with each other. And you can also see the storyline continuation between the Judgment Day and Edge and Mysterio. This obviously wasn't going to be a fatality, a totality of the storyline here, 
but the the Rhea Ripley dominating Dominic is probably one of the most funniest things there is uh, out there. And I have to say, uh, if you look, but uh, it definitely is a unique storyline. Um, but it's definitely worth it to go into. Uh, you finally see the match kind of change over. You got the hope spots. You got the things like that. Uh, but that being said, the ending of this match was typical angle. And distraction spot, heel. Edge and, Edge and Mysterio win the match. But the ending of it is that they're celebrating in the ring. And Dominic looks annoyed. And all of a sudden, Dominic clotheslines his father. Um, the turn, the heel turn by Dominic was definitely in the making. It was just a matter of when they were going to pull the trigger on doing it. Like I said, the match was decent. Typical Edge and Mysterio match, in my personal view, with certain spots. But it's it's a final, it's a finality, it's a finality, as you call it. The finally situation when it comes to turning Dominic heel. That being said, guys, the... And ladies, as I should say. The next match actually was a close second uh, for match of the night. And I mean this because it's by two guys that, or it's by one person's in-ring performance here, that really, really did a massive job of doing the right thing when right things for business. There has been well-documented written things. Um... is the Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle. And that is the promo that was done uh, really one week prior going into the pay-per-view. And that is uh, just back and forth about the personal stuff with Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. But you can definitely tell that Seth Rollins can still work. There's no question. And the introduction, whatever the hell Seth Rollins was wearing, this isn't... I don't know what he was wearing. That is some weird, weird stuff he was wearing for that introduction. It was cool to see the, the European fans... Uh, be actively involved into this, but uh, holy crap, what the hell was he wearing for an introduction? Uh, but in my personal view, I'm not a big fan of Matt Riddle. I get the character. I don't get the... Uh, how do I put it? Um, 
where do I say? Uh, I, I just don't get the like where he gets his moves set from wrestling barefoot. I don't get that. But uh, with Seth Rollins winning by curb stop a few times, pretty good. Pretty good psychology towards the back end of the match, if you ask me, using uh, Riddle's, I'd say, reckless aggression after Seth Rollins kind of pushing the the button push there. Worked out. Um, realistically, this match, like I said, was close second to the match of the night if it just had a little bit more physicality and not so much psychology. But... For sure, the next match, the main event of the card, in my personal view, was exactly that. It was the main event for a reason. It's the two biggest guys. There was a big game feel to this, and it worked. It genuinely worked. And I cannot say it enough. Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, put on a clinic of what it's be like to be two top performers in the industry. By the way, great job by WWE Productions to bring back the uh, Broken Dreams and do a kind of a video montage to get the fans into it. Uh, the match itself had some very good physicality. A little bit of outside, a little too much outside spots, but Roman Reigns is, you're not going to see those, you know, superplexes off the top rope. You're not going to see a lot of these big technical chops. You're not going to see that. It's a lot of beating and banging. Two big guys going at each other. Uh, you did see an Austin Theory appearance, which Tyson Fury took out that situation. That was awesome. Big old Tyson. Seeing that was pretty fun. Um, and just, you had the Usos get involved. No, actually, I'm sorry. It wasn't. It was the, the younger brother of Jay Uso, who's in NXT, got involved at the very end to cause the. Because it looked like Drew Mac. The way they did that at Hope Spot at the very end was actually pretty genius by the two guys in the ring. If you watch them on the sequence of events leading up to that finish, a lot of hope, big move, big move, big move, hope, 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 pin, 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 big move by McIntyre, pin. Everybody was doing one. Two, and then some mysterious person drags McIntyre out of the ring. I think it was a referee. Pulls him out of the ring. And there was a, they found out who it was. And then there's a big smudge uh, by Roman Reigns. He picks up the victory. One, two, three. Continuation. Really strong. There was a little bit, by the way, there was a little bit of the, eh, whatever, carrying cross scenario. Not really the biggest cup of tea in that situation. I will say, however, um, what I really genuinely liked about this card was that it moved. It got, got the point across. The matches had were given time. There wasn't anything rushed, and it worked itself out. That being said, I'd like to thank all of you for listening to this review and reaction to the WWE Clash of the Castle. Feel free to uh, donate to the, the podcast on uh, Patreon. Uh, I think it's podbean.com uh, slash Yankee Cowboy. 
and uh, the, the the Patreon. You feel free to donate. All of it's uh, listener funded. Also, feel free to to follow me on social media on Twitter, uh, Yankee Cowboy Two Seven. And this this podcast will be hosted on the Wilkins Esports YouTube channel at its conclusion of this recording. Uh, be that being said, guys, have a great week. Hopefully, to listen to another episode is me actually reviewing the All Out, which I waited a couple days to record this because all the backstage drama. But uh, appreciate the opportunity to be listeners. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to join us on social media to continue these great conversations and more.